0: Good evening. Welcome to Game Over Vancouver here on SDPN. My name is Parker, uh, and I am here to talk about this Canucks game where they kicked off their road trip, and this team that scores a lot of goals and has some good goaltending did not that much tonight, losing 2-1 to at the hands of the St. Louis Blues to kick off their road trip. Was it a good night? Not particularly. I mean, the Canucks scored, what? what was that? What was that? A minute 57 into the game. And then they spent the next 58 minutes and three seconds doing not enough to take down the blues. And this is after, I mean, they beat the blues five, nothing back two weeks into the season. Um, You know, they lit up Jordan Biddington and the Canucks are a team that tends to light up Jordan Biddington. They just, they seem to have his number Uh, tonight. Jordan Biddington was quite good. He was the second star uh, stopping uh, all, but one of the Canucks 26 shots. So, plan for tonight we'll break this game down uh, i've got a really long list of pluses and minuses to get to <clears throat> and then maybe we talk about all-star a little bit and then we go to you the people as we get to uh to wrapping up uh near probably 35 40 minutes from now so let's get started thatcher demko comes into this game looking for win number 100 kicking off a seven game road trip like i mentioned. Uh, St. Louis came out hot first two minutes. Um, St. Louis came out of the gates with with a lot of pressure and and looked a little scary. Uh, and you're sort of thinking, oh boy, Canucks got like, let's go, let's pick it up, let's get something going. Uh, and then that third line comes out: uh, Garland, Bluger, Joshua. They get on the ice they go first shift garland plays the puck in deep and then he just sneaks into the high slot uh joshua plays it over to Bluger. Bluger finds garland sitting by himself at the top of the slot to let a one-timer go uh rips it past Biddington. one nothing early um so a good start and again it's that line that has been the starter for the vancouver canucks um and then 12 minutes in niels oman goes to the penalty box uh gets a holding penalty at center ice Behind the play, you don't love to see it. He wasn't able to keep up with his man. Um, and then on this power play, uh, Juleson had an iffy shot block. to Joshua had a hard shot block. They are both sort of limping. It was like a five on two in favor of St. Louis. Um, but the Canucks did survive. Uh, big thanks to Ian Cole uh, keeping this a one nothing Canucks lead. Uh, a rebound goes right to Pavel Buchnevich, who has a wide open net. And Cole just gets enough of his stick to force the puck to go wide and the canucks kill this penalty off one of just three penalties on the night that were called um, i think there should have only been two penalties called uh but we'll get to that when we uh when we get to the second period so really the first period though not a ton going on i mean shots were 11 to 9 in favor of st louis analytically uh first period uh st louis in all situations had eight high ja- high danger chances to the canucks two not an ideal start to the road trip for the Canucks. Um, but they're up one, nothing. The PDO Kings are doing just fine. So we go to the second period and the blues do even it up about four and a half minutes in. And this is an annoying one because it's a zone entry, which is how St. Louis scored both of their two goals, uh, on the night where, uh, they have an uncontested rush, just skating up the ice to gain, uh, the Canucks zone, uh, Pareko slides down to the top of the circle, and he's all by himself. Uh, Nobody picks him up, and he fires the shot far post, and it goes in to make it 1-1. And uh, if that sounds familiar, if you were watching the game and you watched the Rob Thomas goal in the third period, it was almost exactly the same. So (laughs) the Canucks have a a bit of a hole in their defensive structure that they're going to need to to work out uh right after this uh after it's 1-1 Pavel Buchnevich gets a penalty he he sort of burns Hughes trying to get on a breakaway but part of burning Quinn Hughes was hitting him in the face with a stick that's a high sticking penalty uh really weird because the ref puts his arm up and it's like oh you know Quinn Hughes must have gotten his way and he's getting a penalty because the ref allows Pavel Buchnevich to go backhand like arm is up like whistles not even at the mouth yet arm is up Buchnevich goes backhand hits the crossbar and then as he gets the rebound, the ref blows the whistle. I'm like, wait, the Canucks didn't have the puck yet. Turns out it was a call on Buchnevich The ref just, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what he was doing. Um, this is the Canucks' only power play of the game. And boy, did they waste it. They took about a minute to get set up. The passing was not crisp. They didn't have any movement. They just couldn't get into the zone. So they take a minute to set up. And they I don't think they had a single shot on net on that power play. Um, I don't know how to check that. Um but I can see at uh, here we go five E four power play. The Canucks had two shot attempts, zero shots four. So no shots on goal on the Canucks one power play, and in a tight game one one that you've just given up the tying goal. You'd love to see them go out and put some pressure on and uh, you know, make it a little bit interesting. Um, but they don't. And then there's a penalty that I didn't like. This was how long in? This was about about five minutes after that Bucinavich penalty ended 12 minutes into the period. Tyler Myers goes to the box for a hooking penalty. Now this one, Tyler Myers goes for a poke check on the defenseman at the top of the zone, uh, in the Vancouver end goes for the poke check, poke checks right through the defenseman's legs, and then immediately drops his stick. Cause he doesn't want to trip the guy. That was the whole play. And then the stick sort of on the ice stuck in the guy's pads and and they call it a hook i really didn't like that call but whatever um ian cole had a good shot uh shot block uh, basically a, a a shot went right into his chest i think it fell into his pads or something uh and then so the whistle goes because it's in his pads and then as the whistle goes Braden shen goes and like hits him with it just like drops the shoulder on him which was after the whistle little iffy puck fall falls loose and pavel butch just sort of swats it into the net which thatcher demko did not like uh (laughs) so he goes after budgene i like the emotion from demko who's normally like so stoic and just like not flashy and just well positioned and just plays his game uh he got a little spicy there which uh, i like to see uh honestly though this penalty uh that the canucks killed here was very well killed um i don't think they there's four shot attempts there was only one shot um i believe taken by the blues on that power play so uh, a pretty good kill for the vancouver canucks uh and then st louis has a chance to get the lead here it's six minutes to go after this penalty is over uh the get caught with 3d on the ice uh, obviously because tyler myers is in the box they had 2d on the ice uh during the penalty kill so they have three defensemen on the ice and somehow they're all on the left side and Nathan Walker gets the puck all by himself in front of the net. Uh, and Demko has to make a really big save. And he does. Because uh, Thatcher Demko has been fantastic. And he makes a good stop there. So the shots in the second period end up being 10-7 to St. Louis. A rare loss in the second period for the Canucks. Who have been the best second period team in hockey. Um, but 10-7 goes in the favor of St. Louis. And they tie it up as we go to the third And honestly, first seven or so minutes of the third period were pretty uneventful. The Canucks were the better team, I believe. Uh, And then they get too passive. Again, another zone entry from St. Louis. They come in and then two guys get pulled over to the uh, defenseman on the left point. If you do the math, that's two on one. That leaves the rest of the ice at four on three, which means somebody's most likely open. And it is St. Louis's all-star, Robert Thomas. Um, not matchbox 20, Robert Thomas, the St. Louis, Robert Thomas, he is all by himself on the far side who takes the pass at the top of the circle, just like Colton Pareco did. And he rips it past Demko, just like Colton Pareko did to make it 2 one. So both of those goals, very similar along the same vein stuff that the Canucks just need to clear up defensively, right? For this, this structure focused team. And they were pretty good. Most of the game. It was two lapses, and those two lapses resulted in goals, and those two lapses resulted in the Canucks coming out empty-handed in this one. Um, Genuinely, not that much else going on in the third period. Canucks have a few chances here and there, but nothing eventful enough for me to write down. Uh, They pull the goalie early. Uh, We go to a commercial break with 3.17 to go. Canucks have an offensive zone face-off, and as they come back from commercial, Thatcher Demko is no longer in the net. So three minutes, and 17 seconds, only down by one. Normally I don't love pulling the goalie that early. Like you have time to score with five on five. Um, and that's a lot of time for something to go wrong. However, the Canucks weren't doing much offensively. So whatever, pull the goalie, take a shot. Um, about 30 seconds into that Quinn Hughes has to make a stick save at center ice, which was a nice play. Um, just bats it out of the air that was probably going in. Um, and then Canucks do not much for about two minutes, like barely any chances. Um, St. Louis ices the puck with 53 seconds to go. Canucks take a timeout so Quinn Hughes can stay out. Only real chance for the Canucks was a Brock Besser shot with about 25 seconds to go, uh, sort of in tight. Um, Bennington was there though, makes the stop, and that's it. That's it. The Canucks really don't do much. Shots in the third period, 11 to 10 in favor of St. Louis, the analytics will tell you a different story about the third period. uh, But I'll get to that in my uh, pluses and minuses, what I liked and didn't like about the Canucks in this game. And look, for a game where the Canucks lose, I mean, it's a 2-1 game. It's, you know, that's pretty, you know, it's low scoring enough that two things change and it goes the other way. And the Canucks are at a point right now where they are results-based, right? We talk about how, you know, the last few years, especially once they've been, you know, behind the pack and you know firing coaches and doing all this stuff and not really in the mix for the playoffs the focus was more on process right how do the Canucks look on the ice how are they playing are they getting more chances than the opponent are they playing the opponent hard because they're probably the worst team in those games now the Canucks are one of the better teams in the NHL right I mean they're top of the Pacific coming into tonight um but we're we're past the point of process for the most part, right? You obviously want to see the team playing well and for the most part they played decently, but they didn't play well enough to ignore the result. And you're at the point where every point's going to matter going down the stretch into the season. I mean, getting first in the Pacific is remarkably valuable, right? Um if we take a look at the the Western Conference standings here, um you know, you finish second or you finish third and you're playing either Vegas or LA, right? Whichever one doesn't win the division. Uh if you finish first, You're probably playing either, I I guess, Edmonton's a possibility, but I'm going to guess that if you finish first in the Pacific, you might also be first in the West and you might be playing the Nashville Predators um, or even Arizona. Arizona's on on the cusp there, too. That's who you want to (laughs) play in the first round over a Vegas or an L.A., in my opinion. So every point does matter here. Um, Canucks road record, uh, falls to, I believe 10, seven and two, uh, while well, they're 14, four and one at home. So the Canucks are a home-based team, um, which most teams are for the most part. I mean, other than LA, LA's seven, seven and four at home, and they're 13, two and one on the road make that make sense. Um, uh, but the Canucks, uh, yeah, just couldn't pull this one out. So I've got pluses and I've got minuses for this game. My thoughts on what the Canucks did well, what the Canucks didn't do so well. I don't know where I want to start. We could start on the plus side and be happy and joyful. Um, actually, what I'll do is I'll put Quinn Hughes all-star as a plus, And that way, when we go through the pluses, we can take that into an all-star conversation, which means we have to go through the depths of the minuses uh, first, unfortunately. Uh, let's start at the top of the game. Andre Kuzbenko scratched um not ideal um the way line rushes looked at practice this morning or at least at morning skate uh kuzmenko and hoaglander were rotating in for each other um however hoaglander was not the one getting power play time in morning skate kuzmenko was skating with power play one during the morning skate so it looked like kuzmenko would actually be the guy playing and hoaglander be the scratch do i love hoaglander as a scratch no but um Actually, I would prefer neither of them are scratched uh, because you do have guys like Linus Carlson and Niels Oman and even Sam Lafferty available uh, to be scratched. Uh, however, of course, Sam Lafferty was playing uh, on the top, the top line uh, with Patterson McKayev tonight. Uh, the Canucks didn't really have a like a top line, right? I mean, you had Miller and Besser with Pew Suter. Then you had Patterson McKayev with Sam Lafferty. Uh, we'll get to that line when we get there. Um, that's the thing, though. Uh, Linus Carlson comes in for PDG with the injury, uh, cause they want a guy who can, you know, take up those, uh, those harder minutes alongside Niels Oman and Niels Ogland uh, Hoaglander. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't love it because you look at a game that's two one and you need an offensive spark, right? You need something to win you that game. I think a guy like Kuzmenko does a lot more than a guy like Linus Carlson who played nine minutes tonight. Just my thought though. Um, second period they lost in the second period uh analytically they lost in the second period expected goals were 59% for the St. Louis Blues uh shots were 10 to 7 for the St. Louis Blues high danger chances 3 to 2 for the St. Louis Blues uh scoring chances 11 5 for the St. Louis Blues goals 1 to nothing for the St. Louis Blues um Canucks got outbeat they got outplayed in the second period which that's been their MO all year has been being a good second period team going into the third period with a lead, and there's something like 20-0, and 0, maybe 21-0 and 0 now, when going into the third period with a lead. And they didn't do that tonight. Um, I don't know. You know, first game of a road trip. Uh, maybe they're a little slow. I don't know why. Ate too much of Christmas. Don't have an answer for you. Um, the face-off circle is a big minus in this game. They could not win a face-off. There was one Canucks forward who did not have a face-off percentage below 50 that was Elias, uh, Elias Petterson and his face-off percentage was 50%. I don't know. I don't have the actual numbers on how many they took. Actually, they just updated it, and now Elias Petterson has 37.5%, which leads me to believe that they had him at four of eight, and they moved him down to five of eight, uh, which would be 37.5%, or I mean, three of eight, I should say. Um, so I take that back. JT Miller, 35.3%. Leavis Pettersson, 37.5%. Teddy Bluger, 40.0. Nils Oman, 28.6. Those are your four centermen. None of them were in the plus in the faceoff circle tonight. Now, faceoffs, overall, I don't think usually matter that much because most guys end up between like 46 and 54% over the course of the season. So it doesn't matter too, too much. Obviously, the big crucial ones at crucial times matter. But I mean, you saw it. Canucks have an offensive zone draw with the goalie pulled. Loses the faceoff, right? And that takes a bunch of time away. Uh, the power play, um, that are their one power play opportunity, right? They lose that faceoff to kick it off, and the puck's cleared the other way. Um, so they need to work that out. I don't know if if St. Louis is just world beaters in the faceoff circle because all of their players were all above 50% by good margins. Um, so something knocks need to work out, uh, because that probably took a couple of chances off the board for them. My next negative, um, Tyler Myers, Nikita Zadorov looked very sluggish today. Uh, their size I don't know if it's the St. Louis Blues camera angle which didn't seem any different but the way they were skating, they were just getting beat to everything tonight and I get it they're big but they should have longer strides. they should be able to get places quicker. They've got this long reach uh, they just I don't know if they like really played bad. Uh, I mean according to the analytics they didn't play good um i mean tyler myers at five on five expected goals perspe- uh, percent is 49 so he was like a net neutral uh at even strength zadorov was 38 percent, so not great um but man they just didn't look good out there tonight um so that's an that's a minus in my book um another minus that's the first game of a seven game road trip and the canucks didn't look that you know, that hot, right? They I mean, you look at their game against uh, Philadelphia last week, right, uh, between Christmas and New Year's, and they looked slow and not great. And then you look at their game against Ottawa, and they looked fast and all over the sands. I mean, they scored five in the first period. That obviously helps. But how did they score those five? Because they were getting to pucks, throwing them on net. Um, they need to – they got to regroup quick, right? There's no, there's no rest in this road trip. What are we looking at here? We're looking at uh, the Devils on Saturday, the Rangers on Monday, the – and that's a back-to-back with the islanders on tuesday then the penguins and the sabers and the blue jackets no rest right all of those games come before like the the latest one is january 15th which is 11 days from now and that game's at 10 a.m so that might as well be on the 14th um yeah can i have seven games in 12 days here uh, if you include today and you include the 15th which obviously you should because they're both game days um So, yeah, got to regroup quick. Uh, You've got the Devils next, and uh, the Devils have been hard for the Canucks, right? And then you have the Rangers, and the Rangers are a very good team, right? Coming out of the new year, the Sens game and the Blues game were supposed to be the two, like, okay, you win these two, and then you can afford to struggle against the devils and rangers maybe you steal one point from one of those games and and you're off to a decent start to the new year losing to the blues however now makes you you know you really want to win one of those devils or rangers games right maybe even get you know three points out of them that's going to be a tough test um because then you have the islanders who have been looking decent i mean they're an overtime loss machine uh you have the penguins uh who will always be a little bit tough and then sabers and blue jackets should be beatable but those are early games which are bizarre um, so they need to turn around. Uh, I mean, look, a, a seven game road trip through the entire Eastern swing, like four, two and one, f- sorry, four and three totally acceptable, right? Um, like totally fine three, three and one. I can get away with, but I don't love it. I know it's only a one point difference, but it feels a lot different. Um, so I'd love to see the Canucks go four and two the rest of the way. Uh, it just looks like two really tough opponents, uh, coming up next. Um, I mentioned, I have Kuzmenko written twice here. Uh, so my last negative, my last big negative for this game is the Pedersen Lafferty and Mikheyev line, uh, which Pedersen again, you know, has been on and off all year. Um, hasn't been super visible a lot of the time. Uh, and Sam Lafferty with how hot of a start he had to the season has been pretty invisible the last month or so, so Lafferty gets the spin with Pedersen, Uh Would I like Kuzmenko to be in that spot instead? Probably. Will he be on uh, Saturday? I have to assume so. I have to assume that uh, Lafferty comes out um, for Kuzmenko. Although who knows? Maybe they maybe they bump Linus Carlson out, put Lafferty and Hoglander with him on. Uh, and then slot in Kuzmenko on the top line. Just that line did not work tonight. Analytically, they played 10 minutes and 16 seconds at five on five together, all three of them on the ice. Shot attempts were 11-12, so just barely in favor of St. Louis. However, uh, shots that actually hit the net were 10-4 to in favor of St. Louis. Uh, the only real Canucks forward group to have a, a, a big negative in that front. Uh, expected goals though, which is the metric I like to use to see, you know, who controlled play well, you know, who actually was driving chances, right? Cause goals are, are pretty luck based, right? Only 10% of the shots go in. Um, but scoring chance or expected goals and scoring chances and things along those lines usually tell a pretty good story when you extrapolate that over a larger sample. Um, the four, forward groups tonight, uh, I'm going to go by expected goals for percentage, um, which means, you know, essentially, what percentage of the expected goals did you have while you were on the ice number one was the hoaglander oman carlson line uh, in their seven minutes and 55 seconds they had a 65 percent expected for which is very good very good number two you know it joshua Bluger garland 62 percent very good jt miller pew Suter brock besser 55 percent not fantastic but better than the other team pretty good and then you have the outlier petterson Lafferty, Mikhaeev in their 10 minutes and 16 seconds, 38%. That's just not good, right? The other team out uh out expected goal, out expected scored them, I guess we can put it, uh, at 38.4%, uh, which isn't great. Uh, and then the big one that also stands out for me is high danger chances, right? The other three lines, two-nothing, three-two, four-three, all in favor of the Canucks. That line four to one in favor of the St. Louis Blues. Uh, which is, uh, yeah, that's where the goals come from. Those high danger chances. Uh, and that's, uh, that's where the Canucks got beat. That's all my negatives. I know it was a lot of them. Um, but it was a pretty negative game in my opinion. Um, the Canucks just got outplayed by the St. Louis blues who are a team that are, you know, six in the central. That's a team that you should beat, right? They were 18, 17, and one, basically a 500 hockey team. Well, the Canucks came to this game, like 14 games above 500. Canucks were the favorites on the road and they kind of laid an egg in this one. However, even with that egg laid, I just talked about three lines that did play pretty well um, at five on five at the very least. Uh, And let's go into my pluses. My first plus is that they scored first, which is good. Set the tone early. Uh, They've done that now in 25 of 38 games. That's fantastic. And they've won 19 of those. Um, So they're getting leads and they're holding them. Um, So that's a good plus. Obviously it didn't work out tonight, but that's a plus, uh, Noah Juleson. Was he fantastic tonight? No, uh, analytically, he was actually pretty bad, especially at five on five, uh, expected goals of 45%. So not terrible, but not great. Um, however, two big shot blocks from Noah Juleson, both on the, each of the St. Louis power plays. There's the first one that he, um, that sort of hurt him. Uh, early in that first power play and he was sort of just staggering out there for the next minute and a half uh and then the second one on the second power play uh just two big blocks no jules and get in front of pucks and that's that's why he's in the lineup over a guy like mark friedman however would i love to see carson susie come back next game i really would so that's what that's another big plus is that maybe we have carson susie coming back just maybe um the blueger Garland, Joshua line again was very, very good. Um, I like they score the only goal. Once again, like I think Garland's has point Garland has points in seven of his last eight. I think they mentioned on the broadcast, uh, that line is, is carrying the team right now. Um, which is nice because when other players are off, these guys are stepping up and, and playing great. And I'm sure in a month or two weeks or whatever, that line won't be playing very well. And we'll have another line to prop the team up. Hopefully. um, Didn't feel like it because the Canucks lost the third period. However, the third period gets a plus for me. They had one lapse, one pretty bad lapse that allowed um, that one goal by, uh, who was it, Robert Thomas. Um, However, in the third period, uh, that was the only period in which the Canucks had more expected goals than the Blues. And it wasn't even close. 1.38 to 0.36. That's an 80 to 20 split in favor of the Canucks, uh, in all situations, uh, you go on a five on five. It's the same. Um, just, they got scored on in the third period. The big stat in the third period for me though, uh, I mean, what were the shots? Let's start with that. Shots were 11, 10 in favor of St. Louis, which doesn't sound great. However, high danger chances, Vancouver, eight, St. Louis, zero. That to me tells the story of the third period. Uh, the Canucks were just the better team in the third period they just couldn't get the puck to go. Binnington played the best game he's played against Vancouver, it felt like. And the connections just couldn't get anything through. And that's life. Not ideal. Um, Thatcher Demko gets a plus for me. I mean, you know, he, he gets the loss. Uh, he allows just two goals, though, on 32 shots for a 938 save percentage. Uh, yeah, he's he continues to be very, very good. Um, expected goals in this game for St. Louis was 2.72, which means you can add another 0.72 onto the list of, uh, of goals saved above expected for Thatcher Demko, uh, which I think has him at second in the league, uh, behind just Hellebuck. Uh, so that's fantastic. Uh, he's continuing to be one of the best goalies in the league. Um, and uh, if you look at the Canucks analytically from an expected goals, uh, perspective, which we've done a lot of tonight. Uh, if you had to guess who the best Canuck was, would you have guessed at five on five that it would have been Linus Carlson? Sure. He only played nine minutes of five on five time. Um, but when he was on the ice, the Canucks had 12 shot attempts. The blues only had seven, um, actual shots were six to four scoring chances were four to four expected goals were 0.9 to 0.26. Um, so Linus Carlson was your best forward of the night based on the analytics. Uh, and my last plus for this game is going to be, uh, Quinn Hughes getting the all-star selection. Uh, they did the all-star selections, uh, or at least the first round of NHL all-stars, uh, were announced tonight. Um, however, I hate that one, every team gets one rep. I think that's really silly. Uh, the Canucks rep is Quinn Hughes, which is like obvious. Of course, it's Quinn Hughes. Um, However, there's only, what, 12 more guys that get in, and the Canucks probably have three more players that should be in. I'm talking about JT Miller, who has 50 points. I'm talking about Brock Besser, who's tied for third in the NHL with goals. And I'm with Thatcher Demko, who is a legit Vesna candidate this year, really only behind Connor Hellebuck. Um, But, you know, they got to put in one person from every team, which I think is very silly. Uh, I'm sure Besser gets in and I think Demko might as well. Uh, Although actually, I guess, I don't know if they bring any more goalies because they've already got four. So, um, but yeah, Quinn Hughes deserved it. Um, Other all-star stuff. uh, Some of the names are a little bit surprising on this list. Um, Like Frank Vetrano has 27 points this year. That seems a little bit iffy for NHL all-star right and this is again the flaw with taking one player of every team Uh, Boone Jenner has 18 points this season and frankly just hasn't been that good Uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand in Seattle has he been good this year he's got 29 points in 38 games and he's doing fine Uh, who's San Jose's rep San Jose sent Tomas Hurdle how's Tomas Hurdle doing this year he's got 28 points in 37 games. So there's a lot of guys like sub 20 points that are, that are getting all-star nods because uh, you know, there's, they got to take one from every team. Uh, And that's my one little gripe uh, from today. Um, However, we're at the 30 minute mark folks. Uh, So now is a great time to go to you, the people. Uh, So if you have any questions for me, whether they're Canucks related or all-star related or anything around the NHL uh, that we can kill the next 10 or so minutes with, uh, now is a fantastic time to get those in while you're here make sure you're subscribed to sdpn uh, make sure you hit the like button uh, and uh, do all that good stuff while you are here all right to the questions first one is from fangirl she says who would you select as the four captains um because they are the ones selecting the teams i mean the four captains are going to be uh, is it division based Whew. Um, I don't think it is, are they taking one from each division? Is that what they're doing? Or is it just for the best players? Cause there's a couple of ways you could go with this, right? I would say the four goalies would be good, right? Ottinger, Talbot, Shesterkin, Hellebuck. I think that would probably be, I think that's probably the best way to do it. Right. Cause the goalies are only going to be, you know, they all have to be on different teams anyways. Um, so that would be good. Uh you could also just go who the best players are, right? I mean you could go um McDavid and Matthews and uh Kucherov and you know, whoever else you want. Uh if you want to send Jack Hughes up there, if you want to send Crosby up there, but Bedard even just for fun. Um yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of ways that you could uh you could go. Uh in terms of oh wait, isn't the All-Star event changed this year? Yeah, it's um it's a draft uh it's a draft sequence, but I don't remember uh how else it works. Um what was the what was the let me see here fans like the finals of players blah 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 four teams of 11 players oh the skills competition is different right so there's going to be 12 players in the skills competition i think the all-star game is the same i think it's 2v2 or one team against one team team against the other team and the two winners play in the final uh for uh, whatever it is like a million bucks uh, the skills competition is what's really interesting this year cuz it used to just be you know the best at each event but now they're picking 12 people who are going to compete in all the events. Um, so each of the eight events, and then it's like a, a standings-based system, which I think is going to be the most fun. Uh, Kai asks, would you start Casey against the Devils on Saturday or ride Demco?" Not because it's played today, but it seems like Denver's been historically bad against him for some reason. DeSmith is going to get one of the New York games. Um, you got to keep that in mind, too, because um, the Canucks play Saturday and then they play Monday and Tuesday, uh, Rangers and then the Islanders. I assume because keep in mind, uh, Demko did have like a week off and he's just played the two games so far. I would assume Demko gets the game on Saturday. I would assume Demko gets the game on Monday and then Casey to Smith gets game on Tuesday against the Islanders. Uh, I don't know if I wish there was an easy way for me to look up like how is Demko against a certain team? I'm sure there's a way to do that. Um, I know there's that website that you can like text prompt it and it, it gives you stuff, but I don't want to do that right now. Um, I would, I would run Demco uh, for, for that game and the Rangers game. Cause those are the two hardest next teams that you have for the rest of this road trip. And you want your best goalie in for those two games. Uh, David says, do you see Talkett switching up for the next game? The lines that he used against the blues i do and the big thing is kuzmenko i think gets back in the lineup especially when you have a game where you weren't able to score um and when you had a game where the person who sort of replaced kuzmenko and and sure you can say carlson did or whoever but really kuzmenko's spot in the lineup is supposed to be next to peterson and mikaev sam lafferty was in that spot today uh, and that line was bad that line was the worst out of the four canucks lines as i mentioned earlier Um, so someone will come out and Kuzmenko will go in. I think it might be Sam Lafferty based on his play lately. Hoaglander has been really good. I don't think he should be sitting in the press box. Uh, Linus Carlson, I mean, you only play him for nine, 10 minutes a night, but I think he's been good as well. Um, I think Kuzmenko has got to draw back in. The other thing that the Canucks might be able to do, hopefully, is get Carson Susie back I don't know if it'll be Saturday I'm hoping it will be Saturday um but that's a big upgrade if you can pop out Noah Juleson and slot Carson Susie into that spot uh, with Ian Cole um so those will be my two changes if uh if that second one is possible um any other questions that we have here I'm going to scroll up a little bit uh uh Amina says the top six needs to be critiqued with their goal production. Is there a player we wholeheartedly agree with can score in the clutch? The Canucks don't really have like a a player who always comes through in big moments, but it's a hard player to have in hockey, I think, um, just because, you know, the best players only score 30 to 50 goals a year, right? And, and you know, really the best players on each team are usually around the 30 goal mark. Uh, so it's hard to have sort of that clutch gene. The top six hasn't been doing a ton lately. However, I think the emergence of Blueger Joshua and Garland has really covered that up. Um, but I mean, you look at the, you look at the lineup tonight and man, like the couch just they're, they're messing with so many things to try to get a spark in that top six that they don't really have top six caliber players playing up there, right? They have four top six players in their top six tonight, right? Pedersen, Mikheyev, Miller and Besser. And, and like, even then you look at that, like McKay has been okay. Pedersen's been okay. uh, Miller and Besser have been good, right? I mean, Miller's got 50 points, Besser third in the league in goals. That's great. But you have, if you have to stick Pew Suter up there and Sam Lafferty up there and you don't really have injury troubles, it's a bit concerning. Uh However, some of these players I'm not worried about, right? I, I mean, Pedersen, I'm not worried about. Is he playing poorly now? Sure. Right. He's not playing his, his AA game. However, when it comes down to it and we're talking playoff time i 100% see Elias Pettersson being the most dangerous player on the ice like he just he just has that in him um so there's a little bit of concern but i don't think there's a there's a ton uh, a ton of concern uh as of yet with the uh with the top 6 um checking here to see if there's any other ones there's a lot of messages and i need to filter out i need to look for question marks that would make my life a lot easier david did call out the 15 of 47 face-offs one yeah i i did mention that um kaya did bring up that the kraken are an option uh when i was mentioning the standings i don't see it I really don't see it, Kaya. I don't see them staying. I don't see them keeping up with the Preds, right? Uh, the Oilers are the Oilers are, are making the playoffs. Like, there's they just are. They're they're going to be in the top four in the Pacific. Um, and then you really have Nashville, Arizona, maybe St. Louis hanging on there, and Seattle, and I guess Calgary. I love Calgary's not gonna Calgary's not gonna do anything. Um, I mean, let's take a look at the playoff odds, right? We can take a look at the Athletic at least because I have that bookmarked. Uh, They have, coming into tonight, 96 for LA, 96% for Vancouver, 91% for Vegas, and 88% for Edmonton. Calgary at 26, Seattle at 22. That doesn't bode very well for the Kraken. Uh, And that's because on the Central side, you have three teams at 98, Dallas, Colorado, uh, Winnipeg. And then you essentially have minnesota and nashville vying for that fourth central spot however how it essentially breaks up is you have la vancouver vegas edmonton dallas colorado winnipeg all seven of those teams are like in the playoffs locked and then they that eighth seed is just completely up for grabs right is it going to be minnesota nashville calgary or seattle Uh, Minnesota's at 38%, Nashville's at 32%, Calgary's at 26%, Seattle's at 22%, at least based on their model. So yeah, it's, you win the, if you can win the conference, if you can take first in the West, you go from playing essentially Edmonton, if they are in the four seed or whichever other teams in the four seed, uh, if you're second in the Pacific, you play Vegas or LA, whichever one didn't take the one seed, um, like what a drop off that is if you can go from second in the West to first. Uh, so that's, that should be a priority for the Canucks because yeah, you play a much, much worse team. Although do we really want to see the Canucks play the Minnesota wild in the first round? That sounds terribly boring, uh, terribly boring. Um, Well, folks, I see no other questions for me to get to. Uh, Oh, let's see here. We got Curtis Joseph, the one and only Cujo. Uh, who do you match up best against uh if you're the canucks uh, if we're talking postseason uh, who do i want the, who would i want the canucks to play oh man i feel like the canucks are pretty good defensively in a way that could maybe handle edmonton vegas scares me la is going to be equally as raw playoff wise as the canucks so maybe that's someone that you might want to take um the three teams in the central dallas colorado winnipeg i want nothing to do with them in the first round Um, I mean, really it's, it's whoever gets the eighth seed is going to be by far these matchups. I think if you're second in the West and you're playing Edmonton or Vegas (laughs) or, or like that's tough, that's a much tougher, uh, a much tougher one. Uh, so folks, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you all very much for joining after that tough Canucks game, losing 2-1 to one to the St. Louis Blues. Canucks are back in action on Saturday. And let me tell you who is hosting on Saturday. While the spreadsheet that tells me who's hosting on Saturday loads, very slowly, in fact, I might add, um, you will have... Uh, Kaya on Saturday after the game against the devils, 4 p.m. right here on SDPN. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed. Uh, I will be back here. My next one is the 13th, uh, Saturday against the Sabres. Um, so make sure you're subscribed here. You can find me on Twitter at Parker's Pucks, YouTube Parker's Pucks, all that good stuff. Thank you all very much for joining me. Have a lovely night. Uh, if you missed any part of this, it'll be up on a podcast platform. Just search for Game Over, NHL, and you'll find it there. Uh, otherwise, have a good night.